If you want to listen to this episode or any of our episodes ad-free, you can do that now. Head on over to Patreon. Click on the ad-free level. You get all of our bonus shows that you've been hearing so much about. Plus, every single day, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, you can listen to this episode or any of our other episodes at the same time, ad-free, over on Patreon. everyone. This is David. Welcome back behind the velvet rope. Let's just get right into it today because we are joined by the one, the only Lauren Ash. Hi. What's going on? Oh man. So happy to be here. I mean, we are, we're just saying we're in studio, West Hollywood. Come on. It's the best. Listen, I was going to say actress, comedian, star of many of our favorite TV shows, but I mean, many of my favorite TV shows, but we really need to say musician. We can add it now. It's official. Now I know. Yes. It's like you've given birth. I have. You know what? It was a, yeah, it was a long gestation process, really like most of my life, but uh, we're here now and the baby is in the world and it couldn't be better. What like was it, you know, I mean, because most people think of you, you know, as an actress, as a comedian, like, did you come from Canada to L.A. to pursue acting and now this music, you know, or was it like I'm going to go to L.A. to pursue acting or music or comedy and it's all in me and the acting thing just kind of hit first? You know, I really kind of picked a lane early on to be in the comedy world and the acting world. I've played guitar since I was like 13 my my honest dream when I, if you had asked me when I was like in high school 15 16 17 like I really wanted to be in a rock band like I really wanted to be a rock star but I was like but I also would love to be an actress and that's cool too so throughout my time like at the second city which is the comedy uh theater where I started I was very musical so I took my you know <laughs> mediocre guitar skills um which is all you need uh and i would do a lot of comedy songs and stuff like that while i was there as a part of the show so music has kind of always been there but i've never really thought about actually pursuing it in any sort of like significant way it's always just been something i've done if it isn't the comedy stuff um you know at home by myself for myself and then this year i was like no this year i'm gonna do it well, we did talk about, I mean, it is out there. You can Google it. You yes. know, you are a public figure. So we yeah. all know, you know, you turned 40. Like, yes. does that have anything to do with it? Like, why now? Yeah. So for my 40th birthday, I decided that I wanted to live my teenage dream and front a rock band. So I hired a band to play a concert with me. I forced my uh, loved ones to come and watch me sing. Um, and it was the best night of my life. Like, by by far, the best night of my life, the most fun I've ever had. I feel like I came alive. And one of the guys in the band was like, do you write your own music? And I said, well, yeah, but I've not really played it for anybody. And he's like, oh, we should, you should come to the studio and whatever. And so I played him this song that I had written um, like three or four years ago. And he was like, I played him a bunch, but that one, he was like, let's do that. That one feels like it's like the most fully realized of all the songs. And so that's now I know. And here we are, which is so cool. Well, now I know. I mean, you've also now charted on Billboard. Yeah. So, I mean, are you, well, first of all, congratulations. Thank you so much. Are you shocked? You know, I mean, you're charting on Billboard. Like, you know, I mean, it's a 
it's a great song. But Thank are you. you shocked that it's You know, it's well, here's the thing. Nobody buys music anymore. So if you can try and rally any sort of following that you have to purchase your 99 cent dollar song, you can chart on Billboard. That was my kind of after I had done some research about it. And so I tried to activate, you know, the existing fan base that I have on social media and it worked. And it was very early on when I learned that it was like attainable. That just became my single focus. I was like, if it's attainable, that's the goal. That's what I want to do. If high school me knew that I had charted on the Billboard charts, she would have died. Like, that was just the coolest possible thing. So, yeah, to, to come in at number five on the alternative digital download chart was, like, pretty cool. That was, like, that's like a life moment, you know? I, I have to, like, get a copy of the print copy. I mean, it's just, it's the best. It's kind of a big deal. It's a big deal, right? Like, it's imp- like it, I think that's impressive as somebody who... I'm sure that in the algorithms of social media, a bunch of my followers don't even know yet that I have this song because, as we know, we don't see every post that everyone we follow posts. Um, So, yeah. So I hope to, like, just continue and grow from there. I mean, have you been, you know, seeing that, you know, wait, Dino from Superstore can sing? Like, are people starting to say that There is a lot of people who are, are kind of like, I had no idea. So I made a TikTok where I... I put like a side-by-side video of Dina playing guitar in season one, which was in, I think, the second episode of season one. Um, she plays a Spanish song. And uh, and then I was like, you, well, you should have known all along. Like the signs have always been there. You just weren't paying attention. Because uh, that was obviously really me playing. And the reason why they put that in there was because they knew that I could play some guitar. And um, she has a couple singing moments over the course of the uh, the season. So... Yeah, so it's been really fun to kind of blow some blow some minds, melt some brains. Like, what is your process of, like, writing a song? I mean, do you feel the... And wh- how did this song come about? Because I've listened to the lyrics. It yeah. seems like, you know, it's a breakup song. Yeah. You know, it's funny because people are just hearing it for the first time, but I did write it a few years ago. And so the relationship that it's regarding is so far from my mind. And it was also a very short kind of relationship which I think also makes people go like, what? Um, but I think there's something about the intensity of a short-term relationship where it's it like flames out very quickly that there's like bigger emotions there. There is for me in some way. And that's like great fodder for songwriting, right? Like if you're in a kind of lovely long-term, you know, five-year relationship that, you know, you kind of grow apart. It's like, I guess there's some, you know, you can mine some stuff there, but the raw, you know, visceral anger that you really get out of a really crappy uh you know two month long situation i think that that's that's really the great place to go um so yeah for me it's 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 so funny because i can't write lyrics and then put them to music my brain just won't go so i just literally find it at the same time like i don't really have melodies that come into my head it's like it's like improvised and i just keep if i have a thought i have to pick up the guitar immediately and try and find it and then just keep noodling keep finding it until it sits somewhere so typically, like, I'll write a song in 20 minutes. Like, I'll write, the, wow. and then it just becomes, like, refining it and, and bettering it and finding, changing here and there. But just, like, the bare bones, kind of, like, what the idea is and the general kind of melody and stuff like that usually comes to me, like, so quickly in, like, a fever. And then it's just the, like, the time it takes to make it something that's listenable. Wow. <laughs> Does the person that you wrote this... Oh, so lovely song for know that it's them. I don't know. Why we're totally out of contact. I think if he heard it, he would know. (laughs) If he heard it, he would absolutely know. For sure. For sure. For sure. Uh, You know, listen, the way things work today, someone's going to send it to someone. Totally. Yes, I could see that. And you know what? I hope he does listen to it. 
<laughs> then he'll know. <laughs> then he'll know. Yeah. Like growing up, you know, because you say you wanted to be a rock star since yeah. we're in, like growing up, like what type of music did you love? Like who are your inspirations? Oh, I was so into pop punk, like Blink-182, um, that kind of era of music. But I also like really wanted to be Courtney Love, like minus anything problematic. Like just her as a as a show person, a performer, her aesthetic, her whole vibe. Like that was the dream. I would have like died to be in like Veruca Salt or Letters to Cleo or whatever. Um, or whole, of course, yeah. I can see this, you know, from this, because to me, this song, because like when I listened to it, I was like, this is giving me like 80, you know, like 90s, yes. a little like early 2000s realness. Totally. And that's what I said to them. I was like, I want to write like pop punk music. Like that's the music that I listened to the most growing up. It's the, it's, I think it's fun. There's a real resurgence happening right now, or this is what the TikTok kids keep telling me. They're loving finding bands that for, you know, anyone my age is like, Oh yeah, we we listened to them twenty years ago. Right. Um, but but young people are finding it now, and I was like, I think this is the time. That was part of it too, you know. Um, in terms of the timing of doing this, it was like I felt like I was getting a lot of signs from the universe that it was like, just do the thing. Yeah. Do the thing. Yeah. A, a little. I mean, I was like, this is like nineties, two thousands. Like yes. I'm feeling a little like no doubt, but like a totally. little edgier. Yeah. And your look on stage. Like I, I did a deep dive of your IG today. It, it is it. I'm getting a little like Courtney Love now. Oh, like, yeah. Right? Okay. Yeah. And you know what's funny is that I wore one outfit for like a photo shoot I did to support my birthday. And then I wore kind of a version of that same outfit at my birthday. And then I tried on so many outfits for the most recent show I played. I just went back to the same thing and I was like, am I going to be the weirdo that has like the closet of 18 like cut off tank tops and like <laughs> like 18 black skirts? And I was like, maybe, maybe that'll be the uniform. I'll admit it. As important as it is for me to eat healthy and put the right nutrients into my body and hydrate, I'm really not great at it. I'm always on the go. I'm never making that a priority and I'm always hungry. This was a real problem until I discovered 310 Nutrition. I love 310 Nutrition's water hydrators. You just add them to water and they make your water taste so much better. They also have refreshing lemonade mixes. My personal favorite, they're all in one shakes. I love their caramel sundae, their vanilla cake, the shamrock cream. I drink one of these shakes and it totally satisfies my hunger. They're low in fat and low carbs, which I love. They also satisfy my carb craving. But don't take my word for it. Right now, 310 is celebrating a new year of goals with code VELVETROPE and giving our listeners 50% off up to $100 off your first order. With so many sample packs, new products, it's really fun and it's easy to put together an order or start a subscription on products you know you'll use. Go to 310nutrition.com and use the code VELVETROPE right now for 50% up to $100 for your first order. That's 310nutrition.com and use code VELVETROPE. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Hi, I'm Chris Gethard, and I'm very excited to tell you about Beautiful Anonymous, a podcast where I talk to random people on the phone. I tweet out a phone number, thousands of people try to call, I talk to one of them, they stay anonymous, I can't hang up, that's all the rules. I never know what's going to happen. We get serious ones. I've talked with meth dealers on their way to prison. I've talked to people who survived mass shootings. 
crazy funny ones. I talk to a guy with a goose laugh, somebody who dresses up as a pirate on the weekends. I never know what's going to happen. It's a great show. Subscribe today. Beautiful Anonymous. I first heard about Jenny Kane from all the collabs we do with Melissa Rivers and Sarah Frazier. Then I decided to check them out for myself and realized that they also make men's. I'm obsessed with their cashmere fisherman sweater that comes in such a great variety of colors and it fits me so well. And their candles, oh my God, they have a violet and a rose candle, both of which I'm obsessed with. I'm living my best life over here in the Hamptons this summer, guys. The reason I love Jenny Kane as a brand is it's so minimalist and effortless. It's so elegant, but like it doesn't seem like you're trying it. It's right up my alley. They have everything you guys might need for this summer. Flowy dresses, lightweight cotton cardigans. They have such elevated versions of your everyday basics. So listen, you too can find your forever pieces at JennyKane.com. My listeners get 15% off your first order when you use code VELVET. That's 15% off your first order at J-E-N-N-I-K-A-Y-N-E.com, promo code VELVET. Let getting dressed be one less thing you have to worry about. This is your process. If that's part art. of it, exactly, exactly. What do you get like from performing? Because I know you were just at the Peppermint Club. Like, What do you get from performing? live that you don't get you know from you know sitting on a soundstage on you know the NBC or ABC lot yeah you know it's obviously there's such a connection and exchange of energy that happens when you're doing something for a crowd when you're doing something in person and I've did live comedy for years again you know that was how I came up and got into film and television so that's a fun experience too but there's something different about the energy exchange that I feel you get performing music for people I think ideally people want to move their bodies and want to sing along or 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 kind of engage in a way that like it just feels so alive in that room even though I know that sounds impossibly cheesy it's true like if you're performing theater or comedy the audience is sitting and they'll laugh and you'll feel it and that's great and it's wonderful and it feels delicious but there's something about being on stage and being completely uninhibited and then watching your you know uninhibiting yourself doing the same for everyone that's watching you and then it's like you're in this real shared thing where everybody's being a little vulnerable right because dancing and moving is not something that we necessarily all feel comfortable just doing anywhere anytime right and I think that that's just it elevates the kind of performance experience there's nothing better to me as a performer wow yeah have you, because I mean, you mentioned this one, you know, where you hire the rock band and now that, is it just two times that you perform? It's live? just two times. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> We've got another show coming up in July here and, and then it's, it's, I think we're going to start doing more and more. I'm, I'm writing a lot more music right now too. So, um, which is great because obviously we're in the midst of a writer's strike here. So not working right now anyway. And what better way to funnel your creative energy than a completely new project oh well, i was gonna say you know i knew that you know you were working on music a little bit before this but i'm yeah. like what great timing for you it really again the stars just really felt like they were aligning like all jokes aside i believe in all of those kinds of things and it really yeah. just felt like i was having so many kicks from the universe going like just do it just put it out there like this is the time and yeah it just has really worked out has it been, you know, because, I mean, for everyone listening, I hate to break it to you, like, Lauren Ash is not Dina Fox from Superstore. They are two separate people. Believe it or not, yeah. Believe it or not. Yeah. But, you know, this these are your words. Like, you know, that, you know, a lot of actors and actresses don't want to, you know, they don't want to do reality TV. They don't want to do music. It's, it's you. It's more vulnerable, right? Yeah, absolutely. And that's what's funny, too, because... 
I think the most vulnerable I have felt since I was a child was going into the studio to play the songs that I had written for Shane, who's the producer on Now I Know. I've never, I, it was just, it's just such a different level of, I don't know, it just feels way more nude to like, I wrote a song that's earnest. This isn't a joke. Like I'm taking this, I don't take myself super seriously, but I'm taking this a little seriously here. Um, and the idea of failure with that feels more kind of devastating than if somebody doesn't laugh at a joke, well, you move on to the next joke. But this, it's like, it's all there, just just distilled into one three and a half minute, like, here's a slice of my insides, you know? So it's it's definitely a different kind of more vulnerable process. Even doing the last show that I did, I was so nervous. And I don't really get nervous, you know, as an actor pretty much ever. I haven't felt that in a long time, but in a way that felt so great. It was like so you feel so alive when you are going through the roller coaster of being terrified before you're about to do something. You you don't get like so you're going in for an audition, you know, not dead yet, your new ABC. Like you don't get nervous when you go in for these auditions? Not really anymore. I think wow. I've just done it for so long. I mean, I've been auditioning since I was thirteen, so it's been a long time and I've just learned that you can't as best you can you cannot get invested. You can't You can't give that part of yourself because sometimes you will and you'll give that part of yourself into like putting so much energy and nerves and thought about it and then it kind of can deplete you, right? If you're investing very deeply in every audition. So for me, you know, years ago, I was like, I go in, I do it, I do my best and then I flush it and I don't think about it. And if it comes back to me, wonderful. But I can't, I can't allow myself to give that vulnerable chunk or else... I mean, I'd be in a, I'd be in an institution, (laughs) (laughs) you know, it's like, it's, it's tough. And I know a lot of people can get really down and it's easy to get really down because you audition a lot and you get told no a lot. But that's why for me, I was like, I have to take it with a grain of salt. It has to just be a part of what I do. Now, granted, if there was a massive audition, if I was like auditioning to be on like the Mandalorian or something that I love, I'm certain then I would be nervous. But generally I try to, I try to keep it at bay. Wow. And has that, you know, always been the case, like even before, you know, you had some what people consider, you know, success in the business, you know, I would say a few hit TV shows on major networks would be considered success as an actress. But were you always this way, like even, you know, during your beginning years? I definitely tried. Like, I remember one of my stories from like when I was first starting out as an actor was I had a like an audition for a commercial. I can't even remember what the commercial was for, but something like not glamorous and I had uh, had a little too much to drink the night before and I was too hungover and I went in and I was like this is terrible and I booked it because it was like I just didn't care like I truly was like take it or leave it and I feel like there's really something about that energy and that's advice I would give to any like young actor like if you feel desperate it it, it really they can smell it on you if you now I'm not suggesting to get hung over before every audition whatsoever but it was such a learning moment for me where it was like I went in and I did well but I just didn't And my energy was like, I can take this or leave this. And I think that that can sometimes make the difference. But I have also had people tell me over the years when I've been, you know, screen testing for various um, TV shows. And usually then in a screen test, it's down to like a few of you for each role. Uh, And then it whittles down over the course of the day, which feels terrible. Like you're all in this together as a team. And then by the end, it's like you and one other person. And, you know, it's a death duel to the to the end. Um, But I have had feedback in those rooms where people have been like, why are you so quiet? Why are you so confident? And I was like, I'm I'm just silent. Like, I'm just not 
nervously chatting. That's the only difference. I may feel nervous inside, but I fake it till I make it. Wow. Yeah, that is like fight to the death when it's like there's only two of you left standing. It's a very odd experience that feels really terrible. (laughs) Right. You're like, I either know you or I've become BFFs with you over the the last 12 hours. But yeah, I mean, this is my part. So like, please watch out. Well, and also, you know, yeah, like it's it's it, it pits people against each other in a way that feels like, I don't know, it feels unnecessary. I mean, it's just odd. Have you ever, like I once spoke to an actress that, you know, she was like in the final round, she says for like Claire Dunphy on Modern Family. I'm like, oh my God, that could have been you. Who knew? Julie Bowen, we love. But were you ever in the mix for something where it's like, oh my God, that could have been Lauren Ash? Like it's a part we all know so well. Oh, let me think about or whether there was far. something something iconic. I mean, there's lots of things that I've gotten close to. I was actually... I don't know if I'm supposed to tell that. You well, can tell it. I, <laughs> I, listen, love, the, it's I just, love the gentle prod. You can tell it's, it. Listen, we're old friends um, now. Come on. I definitely met a few times to play the lead in I Feel Pretty, the Amy Schumer movie that came out. I definitely met a few times on that. So that was yeah. that was probably the biggest one where I was like, man, that was I got pretty close to that. I can see this. Yeah. And you never, you know, you don't get nervous, but do you ever feel, you know, or are you, we kind of just talked about this, but is it like the universe always has its way of working out? Are you like, man, that is one of the ones that got away? I try to give myself a grieving process. So I try and give myself like a few days where it's like, okay, you can be really in your feelings about this. You can get real emo for like two to three days and then you got to let it go. You got to move on. You can't sit in it forever because again like also it doesn't serve you and there's there's a million more opportunities and the other thing I've always felt which I really truly believe is that there is enough work for all of us there's more than enough work for all of us so if you don't get that you're gonna get something else you can't look at it as though this is the only gig that is ever gonna happen for me and then it didn't happen and this means my career is over no that's absolutely untrue there's there's enough work for everyone and having a scarcity mentality is going to breed scarcity as opposed to trying to have an abundance mentality. That's true. Well, now that Now I Know is out in the world and you write songs, and we all know this. I mean, you've always written songs. Maybe you can just write a song during Grimo phase if you don't get a great part that you want. 100%. Yes, exactly. I mean... You know, speaking of parts, Super Fun Night, that's yeah. my first exposure to you. I never really dabbled in scare tactics, but... That's, yes, it's specific. It's a specific it's, show. It's a specific <laughs> group of people that either watch it or don't. Yes. But Super Fun Night, I mean, you know, the smile on my face is just what a brilliant freaking show. Yeah, it was really fun. And, you know, it was interesting because that was the gig, the television gig that my first one in the United States. I've yeah. worked a lot up in Canada prior to then. Um, but it was wild. Like, it really felt like I was getting thrown into something that was so big. I mean, we had billboards in Times Square, and obviously Rebel Wilson is a massive star, and uh, we were shooting on the Warner Brothers lot, which has a lot of history, you know. So it was an amazing experience. It was really, like, a cool, fun one, and I loved playing that character. She was a great character. She's so great. Listen, any reference to Jodie Foster, like, sign me up, please. You know, I mean, no, I, I, I watched every episode. I love real. it. I love it. You can't really find it anywhere now, too. And people are always asking me. And I'm like, I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. It's a shame. It's a shame. And it feels like we live in an era where everything is findable. So it's got to be out there somewhere. Someone's got to find that. I know. Hi, I'm Chris Gethard, and I'm very excited to tell you about Beautiful Anonymous, a podcast where I talk to random people on the phone. I tweet out a phone number, thousands of people try to call, I talk to one of them, they stay anonymous, I can't hang up, 
That's all the rules. I never know what's going to happen. We get serious ones. I've talked with meth dealers on their way to prison. I've talked to people who survived mass shootings. Crazy funny ones. I talked to a guy with a goose laugh. Somebody who dresses up as a pirate on the weekends. I never know what's going to happen. It's a great show. Subscribe today. Beautiful Anonymous. Has anyone out there running a business ever had to fire someone? Well, I've had to fire a lot of people throughout the past four years of running this podcast, and it doesn't get easier, and it's never fun. You guys might think that I enjoy firing people that work for me. I don't. And thank God I can breathe easily, and that is a thing of the past because I discovered Indeed. Indeed is the hiring platform where you can attract, interview, and hire all in one place. Instead of spending hours on multiple job sites searching for candidates with the right skills, you might think I do this all alone, but I have editors, PR people, writers, marketing people, people that sell the ads. It's made my life so much easier. And with Instant Match, over 80% of employers out there get qualified candidates whose resume on Indeed matches their job description from the moment they sponsor a job. You can start hiring now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash velvet. Offers good for a limited time. Claim your $75 credit now at Indeed.com slash velvet. Just go to Indeed.com slash velvet and support the show by saying you heard about it on this podcast. Indeed.com slash velvet. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Do you have like a specific memory of like working with Rebel Wilson on that? Listen, we all became, you know, she and Kate, uh, Kate Jenkinson and I became great friends. And we really had, I think one of my favorite memories of that time, though, was the National Enquirer wrote an article saying that Rebel tried to run me over with a golf cart, which is absolutely untrue, obviously. We were dear friends, uh, but it was talking about how she hated me and she tried to hit me with a golf cart. And I was like, I got to frame that. This is like amazing. If the National Enquirer is making up stories about you, you realize that you've like, you've made it to at least a certain level in Hollywood. You know, like what yeah. a flattering honor. <laughs> I was just going to say, that's when you know you, you made it. Totally. Do you have like a specific first memory of like fame, you know, of, okay, you're it's all about the work and now, you know, music too. But like when you're just like, oh, wait, this is weird. Like people actually recognize me. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's interesting because it's come like a slow burn. So I would get recognized. Well, one of the best moments, actually, this is quite funny. So my screen test for Super Fun Night um, was, it was, I want to say it was at a Warner, it wasn't on the Warner Brothers lot. It may have been in the Disney building, but that doesn't make any sense regardless. I pulled up and the security guard recognized me from Scare Tactics. And he was like, oh my God, this is incredible. What are you doing here? And I was like, I've got a screen test. He's like, you park right here. And I was like, in the in the handicap spot and he's like absolutely like I'm working all night like I got you don't worry like it's an honor and I was like okay I guess so I parked there we go in we do the screen test which again take hours and hours and hours and you know with a very small group of people and then we come out of the building and I realize oh my god all of these people some of which I'm probably if I book this I'm going to be working with are seeing me get into my car, which I look like a complete D-bag, has parked in the handicap spot. So I then started to say, like, oh, just so you know, he recognized... And then it was like, now I sound like a D-bag because I'm saying I got recognized from another show. It was basically... um, It was a high that then felt like a very crushing low very quickly. You're like, who does she think she is? Exactly. I was like, oh, man, this is... This is not ideal. (laughs) See, scare tactics. I'm telling you, scare tactics. I got recognized from it the other day. Honest really? to God, yeah. Someone the other day was like, oh, you're from Scare Tactics. I was like, yeah. That was so long ago, but I love that it still has a life. I got to go back and watch myself more Scare Tactics. It's, I mean, it's it's a it's a romp. 
Did you learn anything on Super Fun Night? Just because, like, it was your first in the U.S., you know, series regular comedy. Like, was there something you learned from that experience? Yeah, I mean, I really got thrown. Now, I had obviously done television shows in Canada, yeah. and had been I'd been a you know one of the supporting leads on a show in Canada called Almost Heroes, um, but I had never shot anything that was shot with three cameras at the same time. So there was a lot of technical things that I learned very quickly about how to hit a mark and how where to position yourself and how to make sure that you're you know in your light and stuff like that. It, there was a lot of technical stuff that I. I remember early on in the first couple of weeks, I was like, oh my God, like this is a completely different ball game. Like everything is so much bigger. Everything is so much brighter. Um, and so it did take me a minute to kind of learn how to hit a mark properly and to learn how to, not that I hadn't done it before, but it was just bigger. Like everything just felt like um, the scope was larger and, and it was uh, it was a little bit, put me off my center, but you know, it was great. I learned, you know, I learned a lot of things that I still implement now in terms of just the technical part of on-camera acting. And, you know, you guys sang in the opening credits. We did. So, Again, like I'm go. saying, I'm like, the signs have always been here. I've been putting it through, putting it out over the years. You know, people just weren't, uh, weren't paying attention. You really were just like, you know, laying the groundwork on your own terms for like, I'm going to release a hit single exactly. that's going to go onto the Billboard charts one day, guys. You exactly. Just in 10 years. Because yes. I was doing that show 10 years I ago. Know. So t in 10 years, who knew? Who knew? Isn't, does that feel like yesterday? Or does that feel like 10 years? No, it feels, it feels, it feels like five. It feels like about five. Okay. Yeah, it went so quickly. I thought about that the other day. I was like, oh my gosh, it was 10 years ago I moved here. Like, wow, that's it's gone by in such a flash. It's wild. Do you love the LA life? Oh, uh, I don't know. I feel like I finally have like started to find a love for it, but it took me a decade. <laughs> I, I get it's it. a tough town, you know? It's really isolating, I find. And I know a lot of friends of mine, obviously I know a lot of people from Canada that have moved here. A lot of them come in pairs. And I think that that makes it a lot easier. There's a lot of, it's just a different ball game. I remember, you know, I've lived in Chicago. I was performing on the main stage at the Second City there for two years. And obviously I lived in Toronto for many years. And, I, you know, I've been in, I've been single and in relationships in all three cities, but never does it really feel as like crushing <laughs> and heavy as it does in LA. There's something that's just very um, insular about life here. And it's gotten better now that Uber has become a thing. When I first moved here, Uber didn't exist and no one took cabs. And so nobody really went out. Nobody, you know, if you're going to an improv show or a comedy show, I was like, oh, that's how I'll make friends. I'll go see a show and then I'll I'll meet people afterwards. And then like we get out to the bar and it would be like a you'd see like a tumbleweed. And I was like, oh my gosh, like this is a different ball game. So yeah, it's taken some time. I think there's a lot of beauty, especially drivable from LA, which is important. I think getting to see the ocean and the mountains helps um, in terms of finding your real love for the city. But it took me some time for sure. Takes a minute here. Takes a minute. Takes 10 years. <laughs> it, it takes 10 years. But you know, like I split my time between here and New York. That I feel takes a good 10 years as well for people. Right. It's yeah. different. It's just different. Yeah. yeah. Which is, you know, there's, I'm not, you know, I don't want to like shit on it by any stretch, but it's, it's more just that it really is an adjustment. Yeah. It really is. What would Dina from Superstore think of Lauren Ash's Now I Know hit Billboard single? Oh, she would be like, hell yeah. Like, stick it to that guy. You're better than this. She would She would love it. She would be so supportive. She wouldn't have any way to play the song. 
Uh, again, she doesn't have a radio in her truck, as we know. And I don't think she really keeps anything in her home that plays music either. Um, but it's possible she might have heard it, you know, somewhere else or at someone else's home. And I could see her toe tapping for they sure. They could play it over the cloud nine, you know. I think that's where speaker. she finds the most of the music that she listens to. Yeah. <laughs> it's just the Muzak that plays. Yeah. What? So, I mean, Superstore, obviously. Let's discuss for a minute. Yeah. What I mean, what was that like? And, you know, I mean, and can you tell, you know, like that that was lightning in a bottle? I mean, you know, six years, let's face it, you know, most shows don't last a year, get yeah. picked up. Like, that was a good run. It was a great run. Yeah, we felt very early on, very early on. It was a really, it was very special. And all of us commented a lot in the cast about like, we have to really enjoy this because you not every gig is like this. And you can have great gigs also, that, but they still aren't like that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, uh, I had a great experience on Super Fun Night, but Superstore, it was just different. Like, we really all bonded extremely quickly. We loved each other throughout the entire process. There was never really much drama. It was fun it was like going to hang out with your best buddies every day and you make a show in the in the in the process and you know you have to get pulled away from your catch-ups to go and and do some work um it was a joy and it really was never lost certainly on me I I constantly was like we have to celebrate this so hard while we're doing it because we may never get another one like this you may never get another really fun lovely kind of um family experience very early on and I think that that translated on that show people often will talk about like I don't know there's just something about like all of the 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 chemistry and it is that one thing that you can't create you can be an amazing actor but there's that intangible quality that some film and tv has and I think that that was what made the difference for us was that that energy that kind of existed in all those scenes um, that may not have with other actors. And to have so many different characters. And just yeah. everyone is so strong. Whether you're, you know, the main part, it's like uh, there's no weak link in this cast. People. No, and we, yeah, we rolled pretty deep by the end for sure. But I will credit, you know, Justin Spitzer who created the show. That pilot script was the best pilot script. And I've read, I mean, you read, when you're an actor, you read a million of them. Um, that script, when I read it, I immediately, I was like, this show is going to get picked up and it's going to run for seven years. Now, we only did six, but I, I'm i still counting on a reboot season. So then I can my prediction will have come true uh, completely as I predicted it. But in that pilot script, the characters were so fleshed out, like all of them. And it didn't feel like sometimes you you see a pilot and you're like, oh, there's a lot of exposition we're getting here. Like it's a lot of like, hello, neighbor of mine I've known for 20 years. And the thing that I think that Spitzer did so well was giving us that kind of exposition but in a way that felt very organic so by the end of that pilot you knew you may not know all the details but you knew exactly what each <coughs> one of those characters what their kind of deal was you know you knew who Glenn was you know who Dina was Jonah and Amy Mateo like it's all there right Cheyenne obviously in her uh, teen pregnancy storyline like it's all there in that pilot it's really a really well-written pilot and you just read it and said, this is it, and it's going to go seven years? Yeah. And it's going to get picked up? Wow. Yeah, and I also was like, no one can play this part but me. I was impossibly cocky, which is not typically my nature. I called my manager every day for like three weeks, being like, when's my Superstore audition? And he was like, they're not seeing anybody yet. And I was like, okay, well, I'm going to keep calling you until I get it. And then I remember um, I had come up with a super fun night, but this casting director didn't know me. And so, you know, there's, there's pre-reads, and then there's producer sessions, and then there's you know screen test right and typically if you've been on another series you can kind of skip the pre-read but this casting director was like I don't know her she needs to do a pre-read 
And my team was like, oh, oh gosh, are you going to be, are she, is Lauren going to be offended? And I was like, I don't care. I want to play this part. I don't care. I'll audition a million times. Like, yeah. sure, put me in. And I'll never forget, we like, I read the first scene with her. And then she was like, she wouldn't even look me in the eyes. She was like, I'm so sorry that I made you do this. Do you want to come back and see the producers tomorrow? And I was like, yep, no problem. But it was it was pretty uh, delicious to feel so vindicated. <laughs> right. You're like, I don't care. I'll do it. Just oh, give yeah. It to me. Yeah, absolutely. I would have happily done it. I jumped through a lot of hoops. I auditioned a lot of times for that show. Did you did, I mean, did you know you had it kind of in the bag from the beginning? I so there's a character that I created when I was at the Second City in Toronto who was very close to this character, just coincidentally. I was wow. like, so when I read the script, I was like, I know her. I've played her for years. So I think for me, it was really, and this is really a testament if people want to talk about like manifestation kinds of thinking or whatever, but I really just believed from from the second, I really just, it's not even that I believed, it's that I knew. I like, I really knew the core of my being. I was like, no one else can play this part. It's, this part is for me and and I'll just have to do whatever to get them all to realize what I know to be true. And they finally did. <laughs> wow. Well, I mean, I know we're in the middle of a writer's strike or maybe possibly, you know, in a second. But what about, you know, you mentioned a reboot. Like, I mean, can you ever see this show being rebooted? I know you're busy with music and lots of other things, a current show on ABC. But let's take all of this out of the mix. Yeah, I think so. I mean, listen, we I saw um, a bunch of, I saw Nico, Nicole, Mark, Coleco, Colton. I saw them all recently within the last few weeks. And. I said to them, we, we started taking bets. It was about when we're going to get the call. How many years, how many more years do you think it's going to be before we get the call to do the reboot season? I think it's only a matter of time. <laughs> and you, you know what? I'm going to say it. Much like I said about that role, I'm just going to believe it to be true. I know it to be true. It will happen and it'll be a joy. We'll and have a great everyone time. will be back. I, I think so. I think that, that for that show, I mean, it'll be, of course, logistically, scheduling wise, an absolute nightmare, a cluster. But I really do, I can't speak for anybody. But I really do think that there is a lot of good – all of us have a lot of goodwill towards that show and each other, and I feel like I could definitely see it happening. Let's just put that out into I'm the I'm putting world. it out there. What was it like working with America Ferrara? It was wonderful. You know, she is such a legend. Like, she's done this for a very long time, and she's very good. And she also directed a, a handful of episodes during our time as well, and she's a really great director. She knows what she wants. She knows how to talk to actors. Um yeah, you know, it was it was so fun. And and the dynamic that Amy and Dina had for me was just so fun to play. There is nothing better than than that. I loved a lot of the dynamics on that show, but that one especially I really liked. I always liked when I could make her break. Um, there's bloopers you can find from the shoplifting episode where she and I are kind of playing good cop, bad cop. And we I'll never forget Ruben Fleischer, who directed that episode and was one of the producers on the show. I'll never forget him bellowing like, Lauren in America, can you lower your volume, please? Like, it's like we had just gotten to this, like, upper ranges of, like, excitement and fun and all of the above. And it was just like we were we were causing complete chaos on set that day. But the bloopers are really funny from that scene because we were really vibrating on another on another frequency. I need to watch those, too. <laughs> yes. Yeah, they're fun. Do you have a favorite episode? It's really hard to choose. I loved the ladies' lunch episode where I sang again. There's a karaoke scene See? again. It's all there. Um, but I also obviously when asked this question, I say uh, season three, episode 20, gender reveal, because that's the episode I wrote. So I have to choose it as my favorite because otherwise I'd be a bad mother to my uh, to my script baby. <laughs> that, that is very, very true. Yes. 
what I mean, what is up with music? You know, you mentioned you're writing more. I mean, do you want to, you know, write another song? Are you writing? Do we see an album coming? Yeah. So I have another single coming within the next couple of weeks. Uh, we did a pop punk cover of Umbrella by Rihanna. That is really absolutely so fun. I feel like it's going to be perfect to like go into the summer with. I'm super excited. And yeah, my goal is to, you know, write an EP, have an EP come out. I mean, I don't want to say, but well, I got to set hard deadlines. Sometime in the fall, I will hope that I can get it together to have a full EP ready to go. A pop punk version of Rihanna's Umbrella? I mean, sign me up. It is honestly so fun. And I know I shouldn't be like braggadocious, but... Please be braggadocious. The only thing that I'm being braggadocious about is that I had the idea. What made the song what it is, is the musicians that I work with who are so incredibly talented. And uh, one of my guitar players, Federico Navarro, plays this solo at the end of this song that is to die for. And it was just such an amazing experience to come in as someone who I consider myself to be very musical. I'm a musical person. I'm a good singer. But I I always hesitated about like, I don't know if I'd call myself a musician because then you see these real musicians who are incredibly gifted in ways that you aren't. And listen, we all bring our strengths. I'm not putting myself down. But it was so humbling and exciting to get to watch these guys go like, what do you want to do? How do you want to do it? Like this? Okay. And then it's like this solo. I'm like, how did it just come out of nowhere? Like, where is this? How does that come out of your brain? Like, I wouldn't even know where to begin. You know, it's like, it's like any kind of art, right? When you see something that's so far out of your kind of wheelhouse, it's just awesome. And then when you're, it's also a part of something you're doing, it just elevates the entire thing. And what a, what a true pleasure and honor that, that people are willing to lend their talents in that way. How did you choose Rihanna's Umbrella out of all? I mean, it was the song of the summer. I don't remember which summer. I think probably I 10 years ago, wow. probably when I was also doing Super Fun Night. Um, you know, honestly, I don't know. It, it it just came to me at one point and I was like, I think that's the one. I think that there's like, if you speed it up and you do it like, not crazy fast, but if you speed it up and you do it like pop punk style, I was like, I think there's something here. And honestly... I played it live um, when I played that show at the Peppermint Club recently, and like that was the one where the audience like came to life. Like I was like, no, there's, I was. It was one of those nice moments where I was like, I was right. <laughs> right, you're right. I knew people would like this. I was right. Um, and yeah, a lot of people after that show were like, that was f- awesome. And I was like, yeah, I can't wait. I can't do you wait. like a lot? Like, what do you like? Any of the other female? powerhouses so to speak of you know like course. a madonna beyonce a britney uh oh you know i want to talk about the divas miley and beyonce and madonna and gaga so we're about to do that when lauren comes back for part two of this amazing chat and we're going to talk more about superstore and we're going to talk about her current day job on abc's not dead yet barring the writer's strike we talk about the writer's strike what is up with season two some other conversation leads to nine to five and dolly part and we really cover it all talk about the industry more music jennifer lopez i don't know you guys loving this chat with lauren i mean who didn't like superstore and way to bury the lead david well lauren is a bravo fan she wants to talk scandal she wants to talk tom sandoval lvp raquel the whole thing so we get into some bravo guys Stay tuned for part two of our chat with the one and only Miss Lauren Ash. Thanks for listening to yet another episode of Behind the Velvet Rope. Because without you listeners, I would just be a crazy person with voices in my head. 
And if you like what you hear, subscribe, subscribe, subscribe on Apple Podcasts under Behind the Velvet Rope. And when you're done subscribing, feel free to leave a five-star write-up review because the write-up reviews actually count. We read each and every one of them. We post the best ones and the reviews really help our shows keep going. And we really appreciate everything you guys say, especially the positive ones. And if you want to find us online, we're at Behind Velvet Rope on Instagram. We are at David Yontef on Instagram. We're behind The Velvet Rope on Apple Podcasts. Or head on over to Patreon, because you know what? There are just some things we can't talk about here. So for our bonus episodes, go to Patreon and type in Behind The Velvet Rope. And if you still aren't sick of me, and you want more David, go to Cameo and book me on Cameo. And you can ask me anything there. I'll answer whatever you want. And I have a bargain basement price of $10. Thank you guys. See you soon.